0: Good morning, Faith. I'm glad you've joined us on this Lord's Day, and we look forward to opening the Word together. I hope you enjoyed that song, that time of worship with Pastor Will and the crew there. And now let's, uh, let's kind of look at, at different stories of transformation week two. Last week, Pastor Andy kicked us off and shared both his own testimony, uh, uh, but as well as the story of Nicodemus, and just really helped us see how Jesus changes someone from the inside. And there is a spiritual rebirth that takes place that has to take place in a person's life for them to really see change. And he kind of hit home with that. As we continue this series, we are going to look at different transformations. Now they all have one thing in common, Jesus, but each person Each person wrestles with different things, different circumstances in life that causes them to to seek that change or to fight that change. And so we're going to kind of look at some of those different transformations as we move forward throughout the coming weeks. And and tonight we're going to be in Acts chapter nine this morning. Sorry, this morning we're going to be in Acts chapter nine. And so if you want to make your way there, as I kind of open us up, you can uh, join us in, in Acts chapter nine. Now, let me start us off with this. This is a time when I was about 10, 11 years old. I was in fifth grade. I was in Wickford Elementary. And like all fifth, year, fifth grade boys, uh, I had that desire to be the best kid on the playground. Um, we always ran out first recess of every year. We ran out, we lined up and we raced. That's how you knew who was the best. The winner of that race out of the boys was the best boy for that year. That's how we did it. It was a small town, it was fun, and I was really small, but really fast. So I had some high hopes that I was gonna be that number one person. So we all lined up, we go out for recess, we're excited. I'm really geared up for this. I was, I mean, for lack of a better term, I was geeked out for it, I was ready, okay? And my main competitor, was this young man named Andy. Not who you're thinking, not Pastor Andy. But yes, there was a legitimate boy in my fifth grade class named Andy, and he was my chief competitor. Exceptionally fast and exceptionally braggadocious, not humble like me. I know what you're thinking, not many people are as humble as Pastor Nate, I get it. But, so this is where I'm at. Andy and I line up at least a dozen other boys who wanted to race. They were just there, but it was really coming down to me and Andy. And so we take off. The girls did the one, two, three start, and we take off running. And I feel like I'm tearing it up. The wind is in my hair, blowing it back. I didn't really have that much hair, but it sounds better that way. So the wind is in my hair, blowing it back. I looked to my right. But guess who's not on my right? Andy, because he's way Up there. Andy was blowing me away. I was so angry and upset. I lost that race. But more importantly, that day, I turned Andy into an enemy based on that one race. Everything Andy did from that point on in fifth grade was evil. The friends he hung out with. The things he talked about. I just could not stand him. And it finally came all to a boiling point about halfway through the year. We're on the playground, he's with his friends, I'm with my friends. We're just playing on like the monkey bars, some kickball, that kind of stuff, normal stuff. And I decide I've had enough of Andy. And so I walk over and I literally go to swing at him. Okay, so I'm just, I'm only in fifth grade, I don't know how to fight yet. So I do one of these haymakers. (laughs) like that, okay? And I go to town. We're on the ground, we're wrestling back and forth, getting dirty, hitting each other. And then out of nowhere, we both feel this pull in the back of our necks and we're kind of held up and back away from each other because the PE coach was one of those old school coaches and he had some strength to him still. We get sent to the principal's office and naturally my dad gets called. So he comes down. Now keep this in mind. This is a small town. My dad is the sole Baptist preacher in this town. Let that settle in. <laughs> his son, his only son has started a fight. For what really boils down to no other reason than I lost a race. That day, I found out on the other side of my father as he punished me for that, but not in the way you might think. I probably deserved a belt, but I didn't get the belt. He made me sit down and write a reflection on why I disliked Andy and what God thought about it. Now I want you to sit there with that. I'm in this reflection stage. I'm very angry at someone that I have no reason to be angry at other than he was just doing something different than I was. He was a little better at one thing that I wanted to be better at. And so that's where I'm at. I want us to look at Saul tonight, today, okay, Saul. And we're gonna look at his story. And and although not everything's similar, I'm gonna draw some parallels out of this and show you how sometimes we get so caught up in ourselves and what we think is right and wrong. And maybe our own desires, our own ambitions that we lose sight of real value in life. And, and Saul is kind of going to be there. So we're going to pick up the narrative in Acts nine verses one and two. And as we do, I want you to think on this. Jesus can change anyone. Jesus can change Anyone. So here we go. Acts 9, 1 and 2. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, referring to Christians, to followers of Jesus, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. Saul has this real ambitious zeal to absolutely squash the followers of Jesus. He cannot stand them. And so let me explain a little bit of Saul's background so you can kind of see where he's coming from. Now, Saul is a Pharisee pastor talked about the difference between Pharisees, Sadducees, and Herodians last week. And as you remember, Pharisees are that legalistic group following the law to the letter of the law, making up rules to make sure they don't break rules. This is where Saul is falling into. Okay. And now he grew up under Gamaliel. So this is a teacher, a great teacher of Pharisees, teaching the law, teaching the Torah, things that the Jews followed de- devotedly. Okay. Okay. And this man, Gamaliel at the time, was considered to be the best teacher. This is who Saul's growing up under. I also want you to think on this. Saul is learning this at roughly the same time Jesus comes on the scene. Okay? So you have Jesus coming on the scene. Saul is under Gamaliel learning about studying about the law, learning how to practice it, learning how to become a Pharisee that is going to become his trade. And he sees this person step in and absolutely turn upside down. The things that he's being taught are of the utmost value, the utmost importance. And so Saul starts developing this dislike for Jesus because he's changing The way things are in his life. He's changing the very values he considers to be the base foundation. And so here is Saul. He's dealing with that as he goes through. And we find him actually in this portion of scripture, wanting to carry out something. So this is after Jesus has been hung on the cross. And as we know, has resurrected. But Saul does not believe he is resurrected. Saul does not believe that Jesus came back from the dead. he believes that these Christians are causing troubles and upsetting the status quo of Judaism and so that's what he's going to do. He's going to squash this out. That's where Saul is Now I want to share with you words from Saul much later in his life because there's a parallel here there's a an interesting kind of Compare and contrast as we look at it. And later on in his life, at this point, Saul has become a Christian, and we're going to get to that. But I want you to hear some words he says, because this is an ambitious man looking to rise up in the ranks as a Pharisee, looking to squash out Christianity at, at that first point. And yet later in his life, he says this in Philippians 3 8, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them, but dung that I may win Christ. And I was was looking at Saul and as I read this early account of him and just kind of looked at his history and then read this later passage where he states, makes this statement. The question came to me, what, Changed Saul. What changed Saul? What turned an ambitious young man trying to hold on to the foundations of his faith into a man that completely threw everything else away, his career, his Judaistic ways in many ways. I mean, he, he really goes to the 180 degree turn here and follows Christ and what we find out later in his life to the very end of his life. He dies for Jesus Christ. So how does a man who hates Christianity with such a passion that he wants to persecute them and them, bring them bound to Jerusalem and yet turns into one of the greatest missionaries as most of, you know, Saul as the apostle Paul. And we all know who the apostle Paul is. We've heard of his name doesn't matter kind of what Christian background you have. If you have a Christian background, you have heard of the apostle Paul. So what changed Saul? And that's what I want to look at with you today. What I want to explore because something changes Saul that changes him forever. And that same something that we're going to look at is what can change each and every one of us forever. So let's go back to Acts chapter nine. Let's pick that narrative up in verse three. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus. Remember, he's, he's on his way from Jerusalem with letters from the high priest to arrest Christians. That's where we're at, okay? In verses one and two explain that. And now in verse three, as he journeyed, he came near Damascus and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, while persecutest thou me? Why persecutest thou me? Here's Saul on his way to wipe out Christianity in Damascus like he had done in Jerusalem. This is his goal, his ambition. This is his rise to the top, his ticket to becoming a better Higher level Pharisee. Okay, this is what he's doing, and on his way, someone stops him and he hears a voice. This is Saul, Saul, while persecutest thou me. So let's see how Saul responds. Let's look at verse five together. And he said, "Who art thou, Lord?" And the Lord said, "I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee." to kick against the pricks. I'm going to pause there because that is a strange statement to read and to hear. And so I kind of want to explain that uh, before we move into further explanation of this verse. So the phrase kick against the pricks, another name for the pricks is goad. Okay. And a goad is a sharp object used to encourage stubborn animals to move. So here, is Saul on his way to Damascus, on his way to persecute Christians. And Jesus stops him and says, why are you persecuting me? And Saul asks, who art thou Lord? And he says, Jesus, whom thou persecutest. And it's hard for you to keep resisting my will. That's the long and the short of what he's telling Saul. He's like, why are you resisting my will? Verse six. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, arise and go into the city and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Saul has a moment here where he is dealing with that inner conflict on one hand, he says, I I am for Judaism. I am against, I am against Christianity. I'm against Jesus. And now Jesus has stopped him dead in his tracks on the way to Damascus, on the way to persecute more Christians and said, what are you doing? What are you doing? And Saul has nothing to respond with other than with trembling and astonishment, and he says, "What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do?" See, Jesus can change anyone. Saul had a hard heart, an ambitious mind, a desire to succeed, a zeal to protect Judaism. Cared deeply about those things. Dead set against Jesus. Did not believe Jesus rose from the dead. And yet here, Jesus meets Saul on the road and confronts him. And Saul's attitude changes, doesn't it? As we look at this passage. Saul's attitude changes completely. He goes from this man full of bitterness and anger towards Christianity to this man trembling and astonished by meeting Jesus on the road. And he wants to know what he has to do next. As the story unfolds, Saul goes on to Damascus and he's blind And he's sitting there praying, asking Jesus, what do I do next? And Jesus sends a man by the name of Ananias to go meet him. See, Jesus blinded Saul that day with that bright light. Saul couldn't see for three straight days, had to be led by the hand into Damascus. He's sitting there praying in a room, doesn't know what's going to happen, what the Lord really wants of him. His whole world is turned upside down on this journey. And Jesus sends a follower, Ananias, to go heal Saul's blindness and give Saul the next step for him to take. So he goes there, mind you, Ananias is going to this man that at this moment in time in in history for Christianity, this man has done nothing but persecute them and inflict pain on them. And Ananias is scared. And he asks the Lord, Lord, are you sure this is what you want me to do? He's here to bind us up, to bring us back to Jerusalem. And the Lord tells him to go. And so Ananias goes, he listens to his Lord. He overcomes his fears and he goes to Saul (laughs) and he tells Saul, The Lord has sent me here to heal you. And the Bible tells us that scales fall off of Saul's eyes and he can see again. And he gets up and he praises the Lord and he asks to be baptized and he accepts Jesus as Lord and savior. And Saul in that very same city where he was sent to persecute Christians starts preaching the name of Jesus and leading others to know Jesus like he now knows him. Jesus can change anyone. Kind of want to bring you back to where I was at in my story. I was reflecting at the very beginning. I left you off. I'd gotten in that fist fight, and I was reflecting, as my father had me writing out, how Jesus looked at Andy how Jesus looked at my actions towards him. I want you to keep in mind at this age, 10 or 11, I'm not actually, I didn't actually get saved till I was 13. And so I'm not quite a Christian. I grew up in a Christian household, but I'm wrestling with these moral dilemmas of not getting my way of wanting what I want. And of quite frankly, (sighs) Jesus wasn't quite on my mind at that time. And yet my dad brought me to a point where I started thinking it through. See, that was the starting point of my actual journey towards Christ. That day, as I had to write out how Jesus thought of Andy, I knew how Jesus thought of Andy. Even if I wasn't thinking that way of him, I knew Jesus loved and cared for Andy. So I'm writing it out and I'm thinking on it. And I can't tell you how many times I probably balled that piece of paper up and threw it in the trash and started over and balled it up and threw it out and started over. And most of it was because pride was getting the best of me. I wanted my way. I didn't want to do this. And yet that day, Jesus started a work in my heart to start chipping away at my hard heart. And he taught me something else that day that he loved me just like he loved Andy. That's what he showed Saul on that road. Saul was a persecutor of Christians. When we're first introduced to him in Acts seven, he is there at the execution of Stephen. It is mentioned in the following chapter that Saul agreed with the execution of Stephen This is a man who was okay with murdering Christians, imprisoning Christians, and yet here is Jesus on this road telling Saul, I love you. I want to use you. I want to save you. So friend, I don't know where you're at, but I know based on this factual story and many others that Jesus can change anyone. He changed me. As Pastor Andy shared last week, he changed him. He changed Saul and turned him into the greatest missionary the world has ever known. Jesus can change anyone. So what do we do with this? I want to talk about a step towards transformation. I want us to look at how we can take a step towards transformation in our own lives. And so this week, I want you to ask this question. I want you to ask this question. Who do you believe Jesus can't change in your life? Who in your life do you believe Jesus can't change? Because when you believe Jesus can't change someone, you stop caring about them. You stop praying for them. You stop loving them. And before you know it, It's not that Jesus can't change them is that you don't want Jesus to change them. I want you to think on this person that week. And I'll be honest, friend, it might be you. You might be that person. You might think Jesus can't change you because of your past, because of what you're involved in. But I promise you, just like he could change a man who is persecuting and killing Christians, he can change you. And he loves and cares for you just as much as he did Saul. But I want you to think on this person this week, that person you think Jesus can't change. And this week, I want you to renew your prayer life towards this person. I want you to renew your efforts towards being kind, sharing the gospel when Jesus gives the opportunity. But be kind to that person. Make efforts this week. Because your renewed prayer, your renewed effort, I want you to take it on with the zeal that Paul turned towards bringing Christ to the world, towards becoming that missionary that everyone knows about the Apostle Paul. He had a zeal about him to serve Jesus in every purpose he possibly could in every way. Turn that zeal towards your prayer life and your efforts towards that person. You believe Jesus can't change because Jesus can change anyone and their eternity depends on it. Tonight, friend, if, if if you're not saved this, this morning, if you're not saved, if you have never called on the name of Jesus, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to trust Jesus with your life, to give it over to Him, to call out, just ask Him to save your soul, to forgive you of your sin, to save you from it. If you need help with that, if that's something you're not even sure, where do I start? What do I do? I want to encourage you to reach out to us here at Faith. Reach out to us at connect at faithbcm.org. Send us in your requests. Maybe you want us to pray for someone specific in your life. Maybe it's you. Maybe you have questions about salvation. Maybe you want to rededicate your life, whatever it might be. I want to encourage you to send that into us. Allow us to pray with you, to pray for you and to help you in any way we can. I want to thank you again for joining us. I look forward to seeing you again next week. I ask you to come back when Pastor Andy will be preaching again. And until that time, have a fabulous day. God loves you and so do we.